We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Amen. If you would, find in your listening sheet, Judges 4, 13 through 15. We're going to read that aloud together in just a moment. Um, but we're in a, a larger context, right? So our reverse this week is most of chapter 4 and some of chapter 5 as we look ahead. And as you've read through this week, I'm sure you have seen that there are lots of names. In fact, there are some very difficult names to pronounce. And as we come to Judges 4, 13 through 15, there's going to be some diff difficult names to announce. And I am terrible at this. So I will tell you, one of the, one of the great things that, that I've experienced here at the First Baptist Church of San Antonio is one of our uh, TV uh, congregation uh, once sent me a book. And the book was How to Pronounce Biblical Names. And so it was perfect. And, and it worked. And I used it a lot this week. So a as we read together, there, there's a really long double name there on the second line that we're going to read. I, I guess the best help I can give you right now is you emphasize the second syllable of both of those words. So when we get there, just uh, say it um, loud and however you want to say those names when we get to them. So let's stand. And we're going to read aloud together Judges 4, 13 through 15. This then is the text for today. Sisera called together all his chariots, 900 iron chariots, and all the people who were with him from Harasheth Hagoim to the river Kishon. Deborah said to Barak, Arise, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Behold, the Lord has gone out before you. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. May God bless the reading of his word. And may God bless your pronunciations. Well, well done. So at the beginning of chapter 4, we find that ill-fated line that infests the book of Judges. 4-1 starts right at the, the heart of it, the heart of the matter. 4-1, the first line. Then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. They can't not do evil. It seems like every time they get out on their own way, they find themselves caught in the midst of evil. Remember a couple of weeks ago we studied Ehud, and he was the judge who assassinated King Eglon to set Israel free from his terror over them. And we hear at the end of chapter 3 that, that out of that incident and out of their remembering of who God was, they knew peace in their land for 80 years. Because as often as they were reminded of the stench of the toilet, they were reminded that God was their deliverer. But as it were, Ehud passed away, and they started to forget. They started to forget all of the things that God had done for them. Started to forget who he was and to chase after selfish things. And this is what I mean. They started to chase after all of the things that the flesh wants. And you could see it in their lives, and you could see it overflowing all around them. They, they decided they, they wanted more. They, they wanted more of everything. They wanted more of their crops. They wanted more of rain. And they were just 
caught up in all of this greed that began to sprout among them. And so they decided that their God had not given them enough in their crops. God had not given them enough by way of rain. And they said, let's go follow Baal. Maybe he'll give us more than our God gave us. They also couldn't keep themselves from sexual promiscuity. And whenever they found themselves longing for that kind of thing, they would go to the goddess Ashtaroth and chase after lewd things caught up in all kinds of lust. And when we sin, and when they sin, God brings down judgment from the heavens. And God does this in all kinds of ways. Sometimes God just hands you over to the sin itself so that your life just spirals out of control into death with that sin. But this time, God used another tried and true method of discipline. God handed his children over to Jabin, king of the Canaanites, so that they lived under his authoritarian rule as a king who would torture them. Our text even says Israel was oppressed for 20 years by this man. Now, mind you, this was not because Jabin was opportunistic or even that God was sadistic. This was all because Israel decided to chase after greed and lust instead of their God. That they, they, they began to desire the things of the flesh more than they desired their God. In fact, they would, they would read and study and chase after these kinds of things rather than the Word of God. You know, chapter 5 gives us some insight into how beleaguered Israel was at this point. Well, you see, in, in chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, the peasantry ceased. They ceased in Israel. If we go up just one verse ahead of that in verse 6, um, in the middle there, it says, in the days, uh, J.L., the highways were deserted. And, you know, it's easy to miss where this is going on, on the first reading. When it says that the peasantry was ceasing, it means that all of the farmers stopped going out to farm. They stopped going out into their fields. And it was more than just the, the crops. Just about all commercial trade in Israel came to a, a grinding halt. So that even if you wanted to bring your crops to market, even if you wanted to, to send them out to other places, you couldn't because King Jabin's army would terrorize them and rip them apart and steal from them. There was no longer any traffic on the highways of ancient Israel. You know, on some level, this is... Uh, akin to what we saw in the pandemic. Think back with me just over a year ago when we were at the height of the pandemic when no one was going to work and the highways were deserted. It was a similar kind of thing, but with an added twist. You see, in ancient Israel, what was happening that is if you went outside, foreign soldiers would come and beat you and take your stuff. Since Israel lived in this kind of way for two decades, until it finally got so bad that they cried out to the Lord. And for whatever reason, it took that long for them to, to cry out to the Lord, to say, God, do something. God, help us. God, be with us. And when they finally realized that the Lord was the answer, God answered them. It's in this section of Judges where we see the female prophet Deborah rise up and it's interesting that Deborah is mentioned among the judges, not, not because she's female, but, but as it goes, Deborah is not the primary actor here. Now, she does fully represent the voice of God to the nation of Israel, telling them God's truth and where God is leading them to go, even over the military. But she calls Barak and tells him God's going to use him to free the nation from the Canaanites. 
But as the story continues to unfold, Barak says he won't go unless Deborah goes with him. Maybe he could sense that a storm was coming. Or I don't know, maybe, maybe he couldn't. Maybe it was only Deborah who saw the storm. But it was there, and it was brewing. It was on the horizon, and it was coming quickly. You know, the wildest storm I've ever experienced was on a camping trip. A friend and I were kayaking down the Devil's River. Now, I know, just ignore the name of the river, but we were kayaking down the, the river. And I think it was on night two. We were camping on the riverbank, and we could see that a storm was coming. And as darkness fell, you couldn't see the stars. All you could see was the lightning off the walls of the hills. It was terrifyingly beautiful. And then the rain just started to pour out of heaven. We huddled up in our tent and we waited. I think it was about three hours or so of driving rain that the tent started to leak. And that meant there was little hope of sleep that night. And I don't know, it was somewhere between 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. We, we got out of the tent to look at the river because our tent is just off the riverbank. And it's rising. At this point, it's still rising pretty slowly. And so we waited till dawn's early light and we threw everything in the kayak and we, we took off. And, and immediately, you're, you're traveling much faster than you were the day before. And we shot down the rising river and... As we cruised, you, you could literally see the river coming up on the walls of the cliffs on one side and branching out over the low-lying areas on the other side. Minute by minute, it grew, so the river was double in size, and, and the place where we were getting out, the river had come up into the parking lot where it's probably triple what it might be in the summer. And this was the kind of thing God was talking about. When Deborah told Barak that, that God was going to free Israel by defeating the Canaanites, this is where they were headed. Look down with me at, at chapter 4, verse 7. This is God speaking through Deborah. I will draw out to you Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, and with his chariots and his many troops to the Kishon, and I will give him into your hand. You see, the Canaanite army had unwittingly walked into a wadi they couldn't walk out of. Most of the time, this section of the Kaishan River is just a trickle. In the summer, it's sometimes not even there. But today, there's a tactical thunderstorm growing on the horizon. Sisera, King Jabin's army commander, took his men and took all of their chariots, and they, they go down by this river. And remember, these are the men who had terrorized Israel for 20 years, and Israel had been beaten down so much they wouldn't even leave their homes anymore. But, but Deborah was, was, was getting all of them up and getting all of them out and getting all of them together, and she said, remember our God. Remember the kinds of things that our God has done. Remember the God we serve. And Deborah would remind them of the Exodus, saying, remember how God raised up Moses and brought us out of slavery in Egypt. Remember how, how God raised up leaders like Joshua and Caleb. Remember how they took us across the Jordan River at the hand of God who split that river so we could walk across on dry land. He said, remember Jericho. We, we didn't even have to fight. The walls just crumbled on their own. 
when we praise the Lord. See, Deborah came back and to remind all of them, the army that is about us is not nearly as powerful as the army of the living God. And we serve a God who is greater than any king of this earth and greater than any army that's ever walked on the face of this earth. Let us go and let us serve the kingdom of our God. And at the command of Deborah and Barak, they readied themselves for war. Warriors walking towards the river Kaishan. As we get to 13 through 15, it's part of what we read earlier. Sisera calls together his chariots, 900 iron chariots, all of them and the people who are with him. So in 14, Deborah says to Barak, Arise, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. The Lord has gone before you. And that's what she's telling him. We stand to serve a God who goes before us. A God has always gone before us and stood for his children. A God who has fought for his children. He's fighting for us today. Don't lose sight of the truth and the power of our God. And so they push forward. And, and Barak goes down to, from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. In 15, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And what you hear there is before they even got there, the battle had already been won at the hand and power of God. Because verse 15 is not entirely clear how this unfolds and what happens. It says the Lord routed, and that's a specific word that, that we'll get to in a minute. But we know that God had won this victory before Israel had done anything. The, the Canaanite chariots had found their way down to the Kaishan River, and the lightning started to flash off the hills that were around them. And the heavens opened up, and it began to pour on the Canaanite river, excuse me, on the Canaanite army, so the Kaishan River began to double in size. And it began to triple in size. And remember, these guys aren't in kayaks. They're in chariots. They couldn't withstand the force of the waters. And they all began to be swept away. If you look over in chapter 5 with me, you get, you get a little bit better description. Chapter 5, verse 21, this is what it's talking about. The torrent of Kaishan swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent of Kaishan. Oh, my soul, march on with strength. You can hear Deborah pressing them on. You can hear Barak pressing them on. That we're, we're moving forward now with the hand of God upon us. God is with us, and God is fighting for us. And if God is fighting for us, nothing can stop us. And we will move forward in the deliverance of the Lord our God. You see, this storm came and began to wash them away. And that's why the commander Sisera has to leave his chariot behind and flee on foot. What we see here in Judges chapter 4, there's a major plot twist that happens here. Early on, Deborah tells Barak that because he hesitated, a woman is going to receive the honor in this battle and not him. And so before, it's natural just to assume that it must be Deborah, right? That Deborah is going to be the one who receives the honor here. But she's not. It's jail. After Sisera abandons his chariot in the flood and runs off, he ends up at jail's tent. And there she drives a tent peg through his temple, securing victory for Israel while securing Sisera's head to the ground. And immediately, 
At once, beleaguered Israel rises up and stands renewed. Their, their, their renewal was at the hand of God delivering from this oppression so that they would be set free as a people and as a nation. And so they were. You know, it's easy for us to get caught up in the gory details of this text. They're memorable. It's, it's much like King Eglon. How could you forget a story uh, of a king being stabbed in the stomach or this, this army commander having a tent peg driven through his temple? How could we forget those kinds of things? But like we talked about in the children's sermon, th this story is not about a tent peg. It's about something more. See, it's not about the gruesomeness of war. This story is about the unending grace of God that flows more readily than the rains. You know, as this story began in chapter 4, verse 1, again, Israel is just caught in this sin cycle that leaves them so distraught that all they can do is cry out to heaven. They have hit rock bottom, and they look up to God, and they say, what's next? What do we do? We are left with nothing. We can't even leave our homes, and we are stuck, caught by an evil one. And when they cried out to God, he delivered them in a way that could only come from heaven, a tactical thunderstorm over the Kaishan River. And so the Lord won them the victory that day. You know, I know it's interesting. I mean, it's, it, it just kind of keeps coming over and over like, like waves again and again through the book of Judges where... God keeps providing unique ways to bring his children out of the valley of death and, and into a peaceful life where God picks them up out of the mire of this earth and says, I will make you right and I will make you clean. I will take care of this and I am fighting for you. And it keeps happening over and over again in Judges. And the reason this keeps happening over and over again in Judges is because this is who we are and this is who our God is. See, we would be mistaken if we recognized ourselves as anyone other than just like Israel here. We are like Israel in that we again and again find ourselves falling into temptation even though we know it's not right. Even though we know we shouldn't be. Even though we know we shouldn't give in to the flesh, we give in to the flesh. Then we come to a moment in our life where we cry out to the Lord and say, what's next? There's nothing left. That's who we are, frail and wayward children. And to you who know this, who know yourself and ourselves as frail and wayward children, God says, remember the Exodus. Remember the Red Sea, remember the Jordan River. Remember Jericho falling. Remember the Canaanites falling in the Kaishan River. I will fight for you. I'm a God who brings salvation. And we are people in need of that salvation today. And so we look up to our God and we cry out in the same way, Lord Jesus, come and bring the salvation that could only come from heaven. Let's pray together. Lord, we are people in need of a Savior. 
You know, we, we recognize, Lord, that there have been days we have forgotten who you are. There have been days that we have forgotten how you calm the storm. We've forgotten how you stir up the storm. Lord, we have days we have forgotten the cross. There are days, Lord, that we have chased after other things, the things of the flesh, and we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, for everything else that we have chased after instead of you, would you forgive us and redeem us and make us whole? Lord, forgive us for greed. Forgive us for lust. Lord, come and heal our heart and make all things right. And let us see that glory. Let us see that victory as it can only come down from heaven in the person of Jesus Christ, our deliverer, our sustainer. And Lord, we want to follow you and we want to cling to you. And we stand with you in your kingdom. And Lord, we're going to march in step with you. Wherever you lead us, we're going to go. Because we know it's you alone who are our Savior, our King of kings, and our Lord of lords. And it's in the name of the Christ we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.